a servant. History. Be without fear in the face of your enemies. History. Speak the truth. History makers. Safeguard the helpless. That is your own. You can do it. Yeah. I'm gonna Hi, and welcome to History Makers. Today we're talking to Lauren Cunningham. Lauren is the founder of YWAM, which is an amazing ministry. YWAM is an ever-expanding global family of ministries, born in 1960, which has reached into every nation of the world. The work of YWAM encompasses evangelism, training and mercy ministries and is manned by 15,000 staff from more than 130 nationalities and a wide variety of denominations. Welcome, Lauren. How are you today? It's good to be here, Matt. Thank you. How are you enjoying Australia so far? Well, I've just arrived, but uh, I always like to be in Australia. I've I've been from Cape York to the bottom and across the Nullabar and, you know, Alice Springs, the whole work. So I just love this land. I love the people most of all. Fantastic. Now, for those who don't know, tell us what YWAM does. Youth with a Mission is the long way to say YWAM. Started in 1960, as you said, and uh, we began by... Uh, reaching into Africa, Asia, Latin America in the first 18 months. And uh, we had young people out there teaching and working in leper colonies, evangelizing, uh, doing the various things that we still do. Only for the first 10 years, it was really heavy on evangelism. Then we retained that but began to disciple more and started schools. And then at the end of uh, the 70s, we began to uh, really emphasize Mercy Ministries so that all three work together now worldwide. We work in 173 nations. YWAM is very creative in its, in its evangelism, using a lot of drama, uh, a lot of um, relationship evangelism. Tell us a, b- a bit about that thrust of evangelism that, that's a creative aspect. It really started for us going into China and places like that where we were trying to communicate, and uh, we found that storytelling was always the best. And we would either use storytelling, like Jesus did, uh, with a translator, or we would start to act it out. And uh, only then did we learn, like in China, it was Mao Zedong. He only used drama to get his message out because the majority of the people were illiterate. And so he used drama all across the nation to get his message out. And we found ourselves uh, following that particular method out of necessity. And so uh, through these ways, we're, we're continuing to uh, make that uh, message alive and real and relevant to this present day. We have break dancers. We have all kinds of dancers. And young people really uh, are drawn to that. If you're going to reach the majority of the world, you need to do like Jesus did and tell stories. That's very good. That's very good advice. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned there a little bit about you training young people to hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone that might be listening right now that you know maybe doesn't go to church, hasn't been close to God for years, and they might be saying, look, how do I find out what God's saying to me? What would your advice be to them? Yeah, I think first of all we have to realize who God is. He's personal. Now, we, we often talk, talk about how powerful he is, all-knowing and everywhere, but we can't relate to the uh, infinite aspect of God. Uh, we can say, okay, I believe it, but uh, God's so big, how can I know him? And he's way out there. But it, he's also personal. And so God wants to speak to us, but we 
we must realize that he chooses the way we prepare our hearts to receive him. And it's very important to ask God to cleanse you from all unrighteousness by confessing to Christ your sins. And and then when you receive that forgiveness, that removes the barrier between uh, you as a person and God as the creator who is all holy. And the more you, you spend with him in relationship, the more you know his voice. Whenever I, I have a bit of a cold right now, and I called my my wife early in the morning yesterday, and and I was just really husky like this, you know. But she didn't have to say, uh, who is this? She still knew me. And your mother know, knows your voice because she spent so much time with you raising you. And you know her voice. And that's the way it is. It grows on you as the relationship grows in depth, the understanding of that it is the Lord speaking, because there's also other voices in our life. There's the voice of the enemy that would trick us, like he did uh, tempted, tempted uh, Eve and Adam, and uh, so the enemy will will tempt us. There's also the voice of others, even the echo of your parents' voice. When I s- said to my son when he was small, uh, Lord, "David, don't do that," you know, and sometimes. Uh, even loving parents have have uh, guided us astray. I didn't have an education. You've got to have an education. Well, wait a minute. Uh, what does God think of the kind of education I should have? Then the fourth one is our own voice, and I think that's the most difficult one for us because we can get emotionally involved on issues of passion. Now, for young people, that may be who's going to be my my fiancé, and uh, and that's uh, that's a that's a hard issue, and you can easily hear inside your head, yes, this is the one, you know, and it's really your own desire. So we have to learn to lay these things before the Lord and say, Lord, give me some kind of out outside confirmation. Now you mentioned your son before. Uh, your son David Cunningham is a movie director as well. What kind of movies has he been working on? Well, uh, he's a Hollywood movie director. He came to me when he was fifteen, and he said, "Dad, I'm I'm the seventh generation of preachers, and I'm going to be a preacher." And I said, "That's good, son." And he said, "But I'm going to use a different pulpit." I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "I'm going to uh, be a film director in Hollywood," and I go, "Wow." You know, I only have one son, and God's sending him to Hollywood. And uh, God says, yeah, I only had one son, too, and <laughs> look where I sent him. And uh, I had a an attitude that I, I didn't realize. But my wife had told me ahead of time, now, David's going to give you something very important to him. Now, don't you react until you pray. <laughs> so that's the way, the way it was, and I, I didn't react. After his first film, I said, how many, how many films are you going to do in your lifetime? He said, well, Hitchcock did 55. In other words, he was going to do more than that. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, well, you know, that's good. The Bible says be fruitful. This is the first commandment in the Bible, Genesis 1. But then it says multiply. And then it says fill the earth. So how are you going to multiply filmmakers? So he began to work on that. And he created this, uh, the Film Institute that helps the university 
uh, give them internship, all the students that are, achieve well uh, in their courses, and they go on the sets and learn hands-on. He's got 16 right now from YWAM on his set, and uh, including an actor and one of the uh, directors under him. And so uh, he's able to to place them there because they are quality people and you can depend on them. And right away they start getting offers into Hollywood. He's gotten over 50 into Hollywood full-time now. So we, I think we need to get good script writers into Hollywood. Oh, that's great. Well, you look at movies like The Passion of the Christ, mm. Narnia, the Left Behind series. There's some really great Christian movies out there that have impacted my life and, and I'm sure will be impacting people around the world. Now, Lauren, also uh, I wanted to ask a couple of questions about yourself. What kind of books do you like to read? Well, uh, right now I, I'm, I'm reading different kinds. I'm, I'm reading one, a novel on uh, she, it's called, written by a friend of mine, David Aikman, on China. I like to uh, understand some of the places where I've been to China many times. I've been to every nation on earth. It's not that I'm I'm new to these, but I want to understand these nations. I'm uh, reading The Tipping Point. I've read most of that now. I've read – there's one called Repenting from Religion by Gregory Boyd. It's one of the most powerful books for the body of Christ right now. And it talks about the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And, of course, uh, I, I've written some books, too. That yeah, tell, I, tell us about I, the books you've written. I should have yeah, mentioned that before, yeah, I guess. Maybe I don't read those so much, <laughs> but at least that's the other side of it. Well, the book on knowing God's voice is called, Is That Really You, God? It's now in 90 languages of the world, almost 100. The, other, the second one I wrote was on To Make Jesus Lord. Making Jesus Lord, it's called. And I, I tell how I picked up my wife for dead out in the desert once in an accident and and how God uh, restored her to me and and then what he taught me through it and the cost of following Jesus. And it's relinquishing rights. It's being a servant, taking up your cross. So uh, then and it ends with the uh, understanding of what, what we need to do in society. We need to have people in the radio world. We need to have people in the uh, medical fields. We need to have people uh, with understanding that I am here for a reason that has to do with the kingdom of God. And I was saved to serve, not just saved to get to heaven myself. That's a little selfish. We need to recognize that all the spheres, Hollywood and every and po- politics and everything else, if we don't become salt and light, who will? And that's the thing that uh, we need to recognize. So I, I go into that uh, just a little bit toward the end. Um, you mentioned before the interview started, we talked a little bit about Christian music. And one of, one of the fathers of Christian music uh, was Keith Green, mm. who wrote some awesome songs. Oh, yes. Tell us a little bit about your ministry with Keith Green. Well, uh, Keith was a dear friend. He always wanted to be a part of YWAM. And I said, I'd always say to him, Keith, you are... But let's work together here because God's put something on you that, uh, you know, is special. And so we worked together. Uh, The last three times he sang, he would sing and then I would preach. And uh, we were calling young people uh, into their destiny and into missions as well. And so 
uh, following the final night, Darlene and I, my wife and I, and Melody and Keith, uh, went up to a, a place they had rented up near Ventura from the Long Beach Auditorium. And uh, we, had a, we spent the night there, and then we had a whole day of prayer. And we were praying specifically for 100,000 young people from America to be released into missions short term. And uh, Keith was always, you know, he's very, uh, very deep in his commitment and passionate. And he was laying out on the floor, face down, pounding the floor. God, we want to see 100,000. And uh, as we prayed that day, then a, a plan began to form in our minds. And uh, that we were to go across America in auditoriums and call forth the young people into missions. So I got on a plane, went out to uh, Okinawa, and I was preaching there, open air, and uh, I got a call, and it was the Keith had just been killed in a plane crash. And so this one was really, you know, troubling, but I got the word, except a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And uh, a few weeks later, Melody called me, and she said, Lauren, uh, we had a professional team, a film team, that filmed the next to last night in the stadium there. And uh, and they are offering us this uh, this film. None of us knew there was a professional team there. And what it was was uh, Keith singing, and then he stood at the piano and introduced me to the, to the crowd and as the speaker. And uh, I would walk on the stage, and we hugged. And I would turn around and start speaking to the audience. And so what we did was we took Keith Green in the video singing his heart out. as he <laughs> That's the only way I ever saw him sing. And, uh, and when he introduced me and we hugged, I turned in the film. And the film went off dead, you know, black. And the auditorium's black. And uh, I came out from underneath the, the screen and they hit me with the spotlight, and I started preaching to the young people. And they all gasped because they thought I was dead, too. <laughs> and uh, at that, the first night was at the Kingdom. It was the biggest crowd they'd ever had in all of its history. And it, it was amazing as we went across the states calling young people into the mission uh, short term. And we saw more than 100,000. It's amazing. Now, Lauren, you've been uh, based in America for a long time. Uh, Australia has had a lot of terrorist threats and there's been a lot of fear in the people of Australia. What would your word be to the people in Australia about whether we should be fearful about terrorism or whether we should trust in God? Terrorism is fear and it's fear that is, uh, is, a, is a tool that is being used to try to hinder what God is doing. And the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Now, though I've been based in America and also Europe, uh, I lived there 11 years, and uh, I've, I worked behind the Iron Curtain when there was a lot of fear there. I, I was, I've been to all of those Eastern European nations, all 15 republics of the former Soviet Union, uh, Albania, all these places that were really scary. Uh, last year I was in again in North Korea and uh, when you when you uh, allow yourself you can be 
overwhelmed with fear. But God doesn't want us to move in fear, but rather in faith and in love. And uh, it is true that Australia has uh, has had the blessing of being the great Southland of the Holy Spirit, uh, separated from the rest of the world by great distances for a long time. Uh, together with New Zealand, they they've had a a wonderful cocoon to live in in peace and all. But the days have changed now, and uh, this is the time to walk out, just as you read in the Bible and in First Peter five seven. It says. Uh, uh, cast your cares on me for I care for you and that's what we have to walk in that's very very encouraging Uh, Lauren it has been so inspiring to hear your story and to hear that the impact that YWAM has around the world now and thanks very much for your time today. So if anyone wants to find out about the Discipleship Training School, the University of the Nations, they can go to the website ywam.org. Mm-hmm. So that's ywam.org. That's it. That's <laughs> thanks it. very much. And, Lauren, let me say, you are definitely a history maker. Thanks very much for coming in today. It's been a delight being with you, Matt. God bless you. God bye. bless you. If you'd like to hear this interview again or find out more information, just go to historymakersradio.com. History Makers. I'm gonna be-